This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Welcome to The Tonic, your prescription for a healthier and happier life. Here's your host and publisher of Tonic Magazine, Jamie Busson. Hi, I'm Jamie Busson. I'm a former commercial litigator who used to weigh 242 pounds. When I was 38 years old, I lost over 50 pounds through a regimen of exercise and better nutrition. It took me a year to reach my goal, but I thought if a type A personality like me could do it, really anybody can. I'm still asking questions and learning about what it means to live a healthy lifestyle. Please join me on this continuing journey. Today, we'll discuss technology's role in relieving the burden of diabetes with diabetes educators Chris Jarvis and Deborah Samuel. We'll talk about innovations in arthritis treatments with Dr. Chris O'Connor. We'll find out about new restaurant openings with tastemaker Bridget Foisy. And lastly, we'll learn what you may not know about magnesium with Dr. Barb Warger, ND. Before we get to that, here's your tonic quick shot. Early diagnosis and treatment of Alzheimer's disease requires reliable and cost-effective screening methods. Researchers at Karolinska Institutet in Sweden have now discovered that a type of sugar molecule in blood is associated with the level of tau, a protein that plays a critical role in the development of severe dementia. The study, which is published in Alzheimer's and Dementia, can pave the way for a simple screening procedure able to predict onset 10 years in advance of the disease. It's clear that chronic stress can impact our behavior, leading to problems like depression, reduced interest in things that previously brought us pleasure, and even PTSD. Now scientists at the Medical College of Georgia at Augusta University have evidence that a group of neurons in a bow-shaped portion of the brain become hyperactive after chronic exposure to stress. When these POMC neurons become superactive, these sort of behavioral problems result. And when scientists reduce their activity, it reduces the behaviors. There's an old Swedish saying that one should never neglect a small wound or a friend in need. For most people, a small wound does not lead to any serious complications. But many common diagnoses make wound healing far more difficult. People with diabetes, spinal injuries, or poor blood circulation have impaired wound healing ability. This means a greater risk of infection and chronic wounds, which in the long run can lead to such serious consequences as amputation. Using electric stimulation, researchers in a project at Chalmers University of Technology, Sweden, and the University of Freiburg in Germany have developed a method that speeds up the healing process, making wounds heal three times faster. I'll be joined by Chris Jarvis and Deborah Samuel in a moment, but first, a little bit of business. Managing type 1 diabetes isn't easy. You have to make countless choices every day. Life just got a little easier. Medtronic's Minimed 780G system is designed to give you more control with less effort. Integrated with continuous glucose monitoring, it's the only system that automatically adjusts insulin delivery every five minutes based on glucose levels. If you're currently on multiple daily injections or an insulin pump, find out more about the Minimed 780G system at www.medtronicdiabetes.ca. The system uses SmartGuard technology. Individual results may vary, and some user interaction is required. Chris Jarvis was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at 14. He surmounted the odds to compete as a top-level Olympic athlete with Team Canada for rowing. 
He had to figure out a lot of things along the way, which is why he founded his diabetes organization, I Challenge Diabetes, to help support young people on their journey living with the disease. Chris has experienced the spectrum of diabetes technology over the years as one of the first in Canada to use an insulin pump with continuous glucose monitoring. He's here to talk about his journey and how technology has helped reduce the burden of living with type 1 diabetes. And for more information about Chris, you can visit ichallengediabetes.org. Deborah Samuel is a registered nurse and has completed a master's in psychology specifically to address the psychological aspects of living well with diabetes and chronic illness. She's a national training and education specialist with Medtronic of Canada and has been on diabetes technology herself for 22 years. Diagnosed at the age of 24, she, her sister and father live with type 1 diabetes, giving her a unique and personal professional vantage point. Chris, my first question is for you. Can you tell us a bit about yourself and your journey with living with type 1 diabetes? Yeah, thanks, Steve. Me, I um, was actually similar to Deb. I was diagnosed after my sister, and so I got to see what that looked like. But uh, it was really quite remarkable at 14 just to see when I was diagnosed myself how little I knew about what my little sister was going through. And so um, I would say, you know, that first part of my journey was just even just learning how to talk and, and what to expect with this. And a lot of times I thought some of the burdens that I could control were just part of the disease. And so I had to work hard to learn how to be independent and how to manage a lot of extra tasks in anything that I was doing. And also I think a big part of it was how I looked back at myself and, and not uh, judge myself too hard for you know, a pretty challenging medical condition to try and manage. Yeah. So, you know, along the way you started, I challenge diabetes. What was the impetus to do that? Yeah, well, I feel like I got lucky with uh, with some of my diabetes management coming along. I was very motivated with sport. And so the sport kept on pushing me to test more, to, to monitor, to try and make a plan. But really what accelerated my learning around diabetes was after I got to the Olympics, all these other type 1 diabetics from around the world were reaching out to me. And I started to learn and grow so much faster. Um, and that's what brought this I Challenge Diabetes together is a whole bunch of different opportunities from hiking to you know, playing a sport or, or even having a dinner party where you could connect with others and, and learn some of their styles and some of their management. And it also helps to re- reduce some of the anxiety and, and the burden of, of seeing others uh, you know, because you get to see others doing it. So uh, when you think about diabetes, you know, obviously you know, people are generally aware that, you know, that there's a lot to think about when you're trying to manage it. What are some of the tools uh, that you have found that are helpful to you? Yeah, well, definitely in the community, most people might have heard uh, some messaging that sounds like it's just not eating cookies. Right. Uh, you know, don't yeah. eat that piece of cake. But, uh, you know, when I was competing at the Olympic level, I had the, you know, the cleanest diet that I could have. And so, testing my blood sugars was such a critical component. And back then, I was poking my finger over 20 times a day to try and see what was happening with my blood sugars. And the variability was was just crazy, the, the types of unfortunate circumstances that I was put in. Um, so now, I, you know, I've got a sensor that's monitoring my blood sugar continuously throughout the day. And uh, that's been around for a while. But I was always the one that had to make the decisions with either an injection or an insulin pump, which I've used for the majority of my time now uh, with diabetes. And now the coolest thing is that those two things talk to each other and help me make decisions for how to manage my diabetes. So the sensor and the insulin pump will control my blood sugar 
all on its own through the night, which unfortunately there was lots of nights where I would wake up with uh, shakes and sweats in the night because of a low blood sugar or being extremely dehydrated in the morning from high blood sugar. And so these two things work together and almost every morning I wake up with a a blood sugar right in the perfect range. And so this type of technology is pretty new and, and something I'm pretty excited about. This is the Minimed 780G? That's right. Okay, so what advice would you give our listeners out there who might be living with diabetes or have a loved one uh, who has type 1 diabetes and, and wanting to better manage their levels? Yeah, well, I'd say that first part that uh, I mentioned is, is getting connected into the community is they're not saying that you have something wrong with you, um, but but helping you with uh, getting experience from others. And so that's one of the reasons I've put my life passion into I Challenge Diabetes, but also not being afraid to try something new with your management. Uh, you know, for most of my life leading up to this type of technology, I was in the driver's seat in control of everything. And it can be a little intimidating to try a new technology, but this is like having a best friend beside you that's always got a little support, a little extra oomph for you. And uh, so trying new technology and, and working with it can create just a whole lot of, of extra ease with everyday life. And what about you, Deborah? What are your thoughts? You know, it's very similar to what Chris has pointed to. Diabetes can be very much an invisible disease if you're not living with it. And actually, most of what the average person understands about diabetes is not really about type 1 diabetes. And then, you know, most patients I meet, they don't necessarily know anyone else with type 1. And like Chris said, this can cause us to put a lot of pressure on ourselves about how we should be doing and how easy it should be to manage the disease. But diabetes is just hard. If you think about it, we're having to make hundreds of decisions every day, minute by minute, about balancing our bodies or I sometimes liken it to an ecosystem that we're trying to balance while only measuring a couple of the variables like glucose levels or food, maybe sometimes activity. But there are a myriad of variables affecting glucose levels in different combinations at any point in time. So, Jamie, your healthy pancreas does this like computer all automatically without you having to think about it at all. Most people living with type 1 may not realize that there's actually no cookie-cutter approach to living with and managing type 1 diabetes. Most of us have actually tried following the exact same routine, eating the very same things, and taking action by the book for three days straight to try and get good results, but we get three different days of results. So it's not really surprising that only one out of five people are reaching the recommended goals and why the prevalence of anxiety and depression, diabetes distress, and burnout are more than twice that of the non-diabetic population. It's just hard, especially when you're putting in so much effort and it, your results kind of don't match the effort that you're putting in. So I have similar advice that I try to offer. It's getting to connected with organizations like Chris's to both get the support and the insights that you need from a community that gets it, and I do also, I have become a very strong advocate for trying something new to get some help. And that includes diabetes technology, which right now is at the stage of really actually reducing the effort required and the mental burden that it is to live well with diabetes. Okay, so let, let's talk about some of the technology for a moment. Can you explain for the listeners how an insulin pump works? 
Sure. An insulin pump is just like a small device that kind of looks like a pager. It's worn outside of the body and it tries to mimic a healthy pancreas. So it delivers tiny doses of insulin every hour of the day. That's basal insulin. And you ask it to deliver what we call a bolus, an extra amount of insulin for your meals. You fill the pump with insulin and it pumps insulin into your body very much like an IV and you just change the little tube that sits under your skin every few days. And like with the Minimed 780G that Chris mentioned, when worn with a continuous glucose sensor, it's now able to automate that insulin delivery based on what your glucose is doing. And that much better mimics how a healthy pancreas works. Okay, so I understand the Minimed 780G comes with an advanced algorithm. So, mm-hmm. so why is that relevant? How does that help the situation? Oh, it really is life-changing. Before this advanced algorithm, we got a lot of data and a lot of visibility to what our glucose levels were doing. But in order to get better results, quite like Chris said, we are mostly responsible to take action based on those results. But we don't have the full picture. And so that involved a lot of trial and error and a lot of hit and miss, despite the gargantuan effort that it is to respond. The more I see what the new system is doing, even with my own body, the more apparent it becomes and actually very validating that while our efforts have been heroic, these precise moment-to-moment calculations could really only ever be made by a computer algorithm. The way it delivers insulin for my body is literally different every single day, and that makes sense. The game changer, Jamie, is that based on your glucose data, this system takes action for you in many of the scenarios um, throughout your day when you're busy with other things. It's actually the only system so far that can detect a possible missed meal dose. So you get busy, you're running around, you forget to dose for your meal, and it can mitigate that. It can look forward into the future and calculate when a low might happen and reduce your insulin to help avoid the low. It essentially is both, I would say, preventative and proactive at the same time, taking care of potential lows and highs that are unexpected and unexplained. And it does much of the thinking for you. So it requires far less of your input than former systems have. And that's really how it takes on reducing that burden and effort to achieve fabulous results. You're speaking generally, but I know that, in fact, you have type 1 diabetes yourself and you're also a nurse and an educator. So from a personal perspective, like what are you seeing with this sort of new technology? How's it helping? Oh my gosh, I am on it. I've been on it for three months. I first had to watch my sister go on it because she lives in Australia and she got to go on it in July. So I had to watch from afar. She had gloating rights for sure for about six Hmm. months, but I've been on it for three now. And honestly, life-changing doesn't even begin to describe it. You know, you don't know how much you were having to do to cope before, but once the problem is alleviated, you realize how involved you were in it. Um, You can imagine being diagnosed in my first pregnancy as I was. 
and then having three more children in quick succession meant that I really had all the motivation in the world and I had to be fairly on top of my diabetes for the first 10 years of diagnosis. And if I'm being honest, try as hard as I did, my results didn't always reflect how hard I was working at it. And I think a lot of people experience this. We have random unexplained highs and lows, even through the night when we're not eating anything or doing anything. And this plagues all of us. So the new system is really built to take care of that randomness and those unexplainables and the effects of all the variables that are affecting our glucose that we don't even realizing are doing so. Honestly, just like Chris said, Jamie, waking up in the fives the way most people do every morning, having been stable all night is such a wonderful way to begin the day. And I remember how I felt not having diabetes. I was 24 when I was diagnosed and I feel more like myself. The fact that the system takes care of the minute-to-minute considerations and calculations that our minds really could never really calculate, that it considers most of the variables that I can't even see in those minute calculations, and that for the most part, it gets it right, is literally miraculous from an experience point of view. And then from a mental health perspective, seeing your numbers in range the majority of the time, knowing that that translates to both like long-term health physically and psychologically is profoundly comforting. I have had the privilege because of my profession to be involved with many of the first Canadian experiences on the system. And for me, the most profound thing is seeing patient after patient experience the same incredible outcomes. And I mean people with different body types, profiles, ways of managing their diabetes, effort. They're all getting the same results, which to me speaks to the algorithm. And frankly, I've never seen that before. In all my years working in and living with diabetes, I've not seen a solution for both those who are already working hard and for those who need a co-pilot to take the wheel for a bit when life gets in the way, as it so often does. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Jamie. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Jamie. We have to take a short break, but when we return, we'll discuss innovations in the treatment of arthritis on The Tonic. I'd like to give a shout out to our new sponsor, Omega Alpha. This company is 100% Canadian owned. Their team consists of allopathic and naturopathic doctors, nutritionists, researchers, and other scientific professionals, all led by their CEO, Dr. Gordon Chang. Formulations are created on their 40,000-square-foot facility located in Toronto. Omega Alpha uses only the highest quality ingredients to manufacture the most efficacious yet price-friendly nutraceuticals. For more information about Omega Alpha, visit OmegaAlphaInc.com. Welcome back to The Tonic, your prescription for a healthier and happier life. Here's your host and publisher of Tonic Magazine, Jamie Busson. Arthritis is the most common chronic health condition in our country, impacting one in five Canadians. That's 20% of our population. It's likely that you or someone you love is impacted by the disease. Arthritis is misunderstood and often stigmatized. While there is no cure, arthritis can and should be effectively managed. 
The Arthritis Society of Canada, a national charity with a mission to fight arthritis with research, advocacy, information, support, and innovation, is holding their second annual Arthritis Ideator Awards, a pitch-style competition inviting arthritis researchers and clinicians to present their ideas for a chance to receive one of four $50,000 grants to help make their arthritis innovation a reality. Today, we're going to be speaking with one of the Arthritis Ideator Award finalists, Dr. Chris O'Connor, a critical care physician and CEO of First HX, a health information organization committed to improving person care environments and improved clinical efficiencies. Welcome to the show, doctor. How are you? Uh, very well, thanks. So let's let's start at the top. What is First HX? Am I saying it right? Uh, it can be First HX or HX for people who are inside healthcare stands for history. And what for oh. history? Yes, yeah, exactly. It can be pronounced either way. Okay. So so what is it? So what first history is, it's a web-based application that you can use on your smart form that basically it takes your health history or your medical history on your smart form before you see your physician or nurse practitioner or healthcare worker. So is this meant to sort of overcome the siloing of information, which is sort of endemic in our system? So it does a number of things. First, it helps patients prepare for their medical interview by asking them the questions that you would typically be asked by your physician or nurse practitioner, and it gives them time to think and prepare for their interview. From a physician perspective, it means that when you see the patient, you already have a report of their history. And so it helps you ensure that no questions are forgotten, it helps you with uh, documentation, and it enables you to focus in on explaining to the patient what you think is, you know, potential diagnoses and treatment plans. So let's focus in on about arthritis, because that's really what the competition is all about. What is it, and why do you think there's so much confusion or misunderstanding about this very common ailment? So arthritis is serious. As we know, it affects 6 million Canadians. That's one in five Canadians. And it's a diverse collection of diseases. Most people would be familiar with osteoarthritis or rheumatoid arthritis. But it's actually a group of over 100 diseases, which is characterized by inflammation of the joints. So very common. And it causes significant disability and has serious consequences. What are some of the common challenges that Canadians face if they're living with arthritis? It's often associated with significant physical, mental, social, and financial burdens which you can imagine can erode the quality of life, can erode the ability of people to earn to earn a living. And just simple everyday tasks like opening a jar, a pill, pill bottle, preparing food, going for a walk, those basic things can be very hard or sometimes even impossible to do. So I understand your career has been based on implementing health information solutions across Canada and abroad in such countries as Iceland, Ireland, and India. In your opinion, what's the biggest health innovation barrier or need that we're facing in Canada right now? Well, there are a number, but if I had to pick one, I would say siloed healthcare systems. We have yep. so many different systems, they don't, they don't all talk to each other. I stole your thunder a bit there, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. Yes, there's so many systems, they don't talk to each other. Think about the last time that, say, you got referred to a specialist and what that process was like and how often you, don't, you didn't have clarity on when you would see the specialist. And often that process, even to this day, uses fax machines. 
And that's a huge barrier to implementing new solutions. My GP still uses a fax machine. And I, I was polite, but I said to the receptionist, I said, you know, you, you might consider other options in, in communicating with your clientele. I understand, you know, communicating by fax amongst yourselves or even with drugstores, but like it's it's so unwieldy. And and then, you know, my mother, when she goes to see a specialist, you know, those forms where she has to remember her entire history are so daunting, right? Because who remembers the ailment they had 20 years ago? Like, like nobody does. Or, no. or, you know, the exact it occurred, for example. It's hard to imagine that this still goes on in 2023, but it's still going on and uh, hopefully for not much longer. Yeah, I guess, the, I guess the issue also is you have a lot of GPs who have been around for a while and, you know, people tend to get set in their ways and maybe they haven't gone digital yet. But it's interesting because my GP is digital, yet still also the main form of communication is faxing, which kind of blows my mind. I think CRA and doctors are the only two that use fax machines anymore. <laughs> I won't comment on that, but yes, it's, uh, yeah, it still happens. So let's talk a little bit about the Ideator Awards. What are the Arthritis Ideator Awards? So the Arthritis Ideator Awards are designed to highlight a group of innovative uh, Canadian companies who have solutions that can improve the diagnosis, treatment, and management of patients with arthritis. And they do it in a very fun format. They do it in a Dragon's Dance style format where there's seven companies which present live at the Mars Centre in downtown Toronto before a panel of judges and a live audience. And then of the seven ideas, four of the ideas are selected and they each receive uh, $50,000. So how did you get to be one of the seven? Was there like a, dragon, a pre-Dragon's Den? Yes, there's a pre-Dragon's Den. So we had to do a, we submitted a pro, our proposal, explained to them what First Cicero was about. They got all kinds of submissions. I know it's very heavily subscribed. Lots of companies are interested and we were fortunate to be one of the seven that were selected. And how far along are you? Like, do you have a product that's in the marketplace or is this, uh, you know, has it been beta tested? Like, where are you with this? So we are live across the number of virtual care platforms in Canada, across the number of urgent care centers and in some uh, family practice offices as well. Okay. So in the context of the arthritis ideator awards, how does your, like, what you talked about, your, your particular program, I think would sort of go beyond arthritis right? Like, I, I think it's relevant for anybody who has medical records, which is pretty much everybody. But how does it pertain specifically for those who are impacted by arthritis? So patients with arthritis, as you know, uh, often have complex medical histories, often see multiple uh, specialists, and uh, often experience extensive delays between when they start to have symptoms and when they receive a diagnosis. I learned through the Arthritis Ideator Awards that the average time from when somebody with rheumatoid arthritis starts having their first symptoms and when they receive a diagnosis of arthritis is rheumatoid arthritis is on average eight years long. Wow. Yeah. And so that really, I was quite uh, impressed by that. And so absolutely. So complex health needs, complex histories. And so having an application which can help them tell their story to the healthcare team, I think particularly important in arthritis. Okay, so let I want you to sort of put on your your uh, businessman hat. You can leave your your doctor's hat on. I don't know what that doctor's hat looks like, but from a business perspective, why are the arthritis ideator awards so important? Well, I think the arthritis 
ID8 awards are fabulous. And I, I think we need more of this in Canadian healthcare. You know, they're highlighting innovative companies with solutions <laughs> that have really the potential to have a dramatic impact on patients with arthritis. And the exposure for the companies, and this includes First History, is fabulous. And then also the funding to help get your company growing and getting it up to scale, that's also helpful as well, too. Okay, so if you are fortunate enough to receive funding from the Arthritis Society of Canada, uh, what are next steps? Do you use the 50000 and go to Vegas and, and bet black? Like, what do you do with it? <laughs> no, we're not going to go to Vegas. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to use the, the money to partner with leading arthritis experts and researchers in arthritis to develop even more effective and more precise histories for patients with arthritis. And we really are going to use this funding to grow our partnerships in this area. Does this particular award, does it require you to use the funds in any particular manner? I don't believe it does. So you could go to Vegas. We're not going to Vegas. Uh, okay. We're excited. I mean, we could. In theory, we could. But I think I mean, one of the things that impresses me, and I think it's true for Fritz History, it's true for all of the companies involved with the Arthritis Ideator Awards. They're all run yep. by people who care about what they do. They, like, they're committed yep. to their businesses. But really what gets them out of bed in the morning is the opportunity to improve the quality of life of you know, patients with like, this serious chronic condition. And that's what motivates them. You know, as a business, you know, you've got to, you've got to run it as a business. So money is part of it. But the reason you get out of bed in the morning is because you have an opportunity to improve the lives of these patients. And that's really what makes you get up and work all day long. No, agreed. I'm, you know, I was joking about Vegas, yeah, but you know, if I had if somebody gave me 50,000, I, I might consider it. The criteria for these companies, maybe you know the answer to this, maybe you don't. Are they all sort of Canadian companies who are participating in this or did it matter? They're all Canadian companies and they're all early stage and they're all companies that have innovative ideas that have the potential to improve the care and diagnosis treatment of patients with arthritis. Congratulations for being one of the finalists and thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you very much. That was Dr. Chris O'Connor. We have to take a short break, but we'll be right back on The Tonic. Tired of lineups at your pharmacist? Why not try PharmaZ at the Zoomer store? Powered by the Health Depot, an Ontario-accredited pharmacy, PharmaZ offers a concierge approach to filling, refilling, and managing your prescriptions with free delivery anywhere in Ontario. To get started, visit zoomerstore.com and click on PharmaZ. And then click on the Circle of Care Pharmacy program for your free initial consultation with a clinical pharmacist. Don't wait, go today. If you're looking for premium natural products, choose New Roots Herbal. Proudly Canadian and family-owned for over 35 years. What really sets them apart is their dedication to quality. They source only the highest quality ingredients and test each one in a state-of-the-art ISO-accredited lab. You get the purity and potency you expect. Available exclusively at fine health food stores. To learn more or find a store near you, visit NewRootsHerbal.com. Welcome back to The Tonic, your prescription for a healthier and happier life. Here's your host and publisher of Tonic Magazine, Jamie Busson. Success enabler, idea broker, and award-winning marketer at the PR department, Brigitte Foisy has been the strategist behind some of Canada and the world's biggest brands for over 30 years. She's also the vice president at Chefs Canada, 
The organization that manages our national culinary teams. What she enjoys most is connecting with people and being the bridge to successful, mutually beneficial partnerships. Welcome back to the show, Brigitte. How are you? I'm good. It's been a long time. <laughs> it, it has. I've been out of commission for a while. So you're going to need to bring me up to speed as to what's been going on since my absence culinarily. Okay. I don't even know if All that's right. a word. Let's, let's start with your work with uh, Chefs Canada and the team. What's going on there? Well, it's been a busy month for Chefs Canada. Last week, we hosted the national selection for both Bookies Door and World Pastry Cup. Like that's the Olympic of food, I guess, in the world. And we're really excited to share that Chef Keith Pierce from W Hotel Toronto has won the title of our national culinary athlete and will be representing us on the world stage. And if you don't know Keith, you need to go to W Hotel and see the outstanding dishes he does there at all three restaurants. On the pastry side, Chef Olivier Poitier and Christophe Portellini, both from Quebec, one is from Montreal and the other one near Ottawa, has been selected by our panel of judges that included Chef Nadege Nourian, obviously from Nadege Bakery that we all know here in Toronto. And she's actually opening a shop in Oakville this week. I think it's tomorrow. And Chef Rodney Alleged from Goutet was also one of our judges. And he's also oh, just opened a third location for Goutet uh, in Etobicoke. So... There you go. We're really excited by this next phase of our new team. I know both of the pastry judges quite, like I know their food quite well. I'm, I'm lucky enough to be walking distance to one of Goutte's retail operations and their quinamons are like some of the best I've ever had. And you, know, you got to go early or they sell out. They but, sell out. Yeah. I but, love that he does all these flavors and I love his raspberry croissants are my favorite. Yeah. For Father's Day, my wife just goes and buys like a lot of pastries and we just go to town. That's like Father's Day brunch. So there you go. I'll have to introduce you to Rodney to get like, you know, quantity discount. There you go. <laughs> so what's going on on the restaurant side? What do you want to tell us about? Are there any new openings or anything interesting you want to share with us? Yes, there's lots. I don't know if you've been there. It's been a, a few months that he's open, but uh, I thought it would be important to note AP, Montreal Chef Antonio Park, who's known in Toronto for his past collaboration with Drake, has recently opened AP on the 51st floor of Menu Life Centre, where the old 180 used to be. Sure. The restaurant has been total Renault, but it's still personally my favourite view of the city. It's gorgeous there at night. The menu includes everything from goiza and mackies to show-stopping mains like brown butter scallops and tom yum sauce and wagyu steaks. I enjoyed the bluefin tuna tataki while I was there and obviously the miso black cod, which is always my favorite everywhere I go when they have it on the menu. I take it and that's served with snow pea tips and charred scallions, salsa verde and combo chips. It was really delicious. So cocktails in the summer when we get an actual summer on, on this patio is gorgeous. Yeah. Well, we had a little hint of it, right? We had a little hint of summer. <laughs> J just enough just enough for me to start like planting stuff that really shouldn't have been planted. So <laughs> I, you know, I, I threw away money and I learned my lesson. But let's move on. There are some, you know, other restaurants that are venerable that are undergoing changes. Let, let's talk about Lee on King. 
What's, yes. the, what's, what's the status there? I may or may not have been seen wolfing down his coleslaw in my car from time to time. Yep. But be reassured, Jeff Lee's not going anywhere. He's simply moving at 505 Richmond, from yep. King to Richmond. And though the rumor was that he was going to open in March, I spoke with his assistant yesterday, and she confirmed that they are scheduled to open for late spring. So I can't wait for that. Yeah, I actually, I kind of knew that already. And the reason I knew is because my daughter actually lives in that building and she tipped me off. But she, she, didn't, <laughs> she didn't tell me when they were opening. She goes, Dad, did you know? Did you know that Lee's opening in my building? I thought, oh, lucky girl. Uh, lucky girl for sure. <laughs> what other openings are there of note? There's a couple that I wanted to talk about because they're not necessarily like restaurant, restaurant, but they're kind of takeout and eating their kind of little space. And, and they're noteworthy. Uh, Matt Dean Petit just opened Trinity Market literally last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a few steps from Bellwood Parks. And it's a snack wine bar bottle shop kind of like concept where you can sit and have a glass of wine and a, and a bite to eat or take home some of Matt's favorite bites from around the city. So he features on this menu his favorite chefs and brings in some stuff from all these different locations and sell it in little bites, which is cool, unique concept. We really didn't have anything like it in Toronto. He has different bottles as well that are not widely available. I know he just recently did a trip to France where he went to visit some wineries and brought in like some great bottles from from abroad. So if you're a wine lover, definitely a place to go check out. Is he located sort of just north of Queen? There's a like I saw something that I thought said Trinity Market. Is he a little bit east of of Trinity Bellwoods, like on the street where the church is? And then Exactly. It's like just, next just, block from Nadege, just, the church. Yeah, exactly. But like on the north side of Queen, sort of on the side street there. Is that where he is? Exactly. Yes, that's per- exactly where he is. Perfect. All right. Sorry. Carry on. What's next? Then there's another of my favorites, Chef Craig Wong. I always love him. Uh, recently just opened June Plum Toronto. And that is also a retail restaurant event space on Dundas, just next to his restaurant, Patois. And this is great news for those who want to take home some of his ridiculously good patties. Mm. June Plum also offers, like, handheld snacks and frozen meals. So that's good news because Patois is is often, like, totally booked. Have you been to Patois, actually? I love Patois. I actually, when I was doing restaurant reviews for the magazine, that was one of my faves. The only problem with Patois is you can't have a conversation there. It is so loud. It is so loud. Chinese t- Jamaican is so unique. Oh yeah, no, it's it's crazy. <laughs> it's a crazy mashup. So the space that he took over for this was this the place next door that actually burnt down that shut him down for a while? Yes, absolutely. And then he has also the little kind of like French bistro wine bar upstairs of yeah. Patois now that offers and we've talked about that months ago but so it's becoming kind of a little destination there and Dundas has, that area of Dundas has changed so much there's really lots of, of fun little not expensive like really great food there agreed this is not an opening but a noteworthy event a new friend that I recently met Chef Imrum Taxiera is doing some collab dinners with Affinity Fish on Dundas West and that's a 
actually a fish market by day and a dinner place by night. Hmm. Uh, the next dinner is on April 21st and 22nd, and it's under the theme of spring solstice, obviously, and seasonal offering of forage ingredients. And the menu includes house-made tofu, Great Lake fish, morel mushrooms, asparagus, that kind of stuff. And you can check it out and reserve on Instagram at Affinity Fish. There was another fish market on Dundas West that was having, you could get meals there. I don't remember if it was hooked or it was another name, but they had a konamayaki that they were making like with whatever fish they had extra of that day. That was amazing. Uh, I wish I could remember the name of that. I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, oh, yeah. I'd love to know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's move on. Uh, not exactly restaurants, but a lot of bars are serving like snacks, snicks and snacks as well. What about bars or speakeasies? Yeah, I've seen a lot of speakeasies in Toronto recently, which I thought is is interesting. I mean, people might, I think some people like love to just go out for a quick glass of wine or a cocktail and, and a bite, like not necessarily a huge dinner. Yep. I've heard of prequel. P-R-E-Q-U-E-L and Co. Apothecary, which is an experiential cocktail bar inspired by Art Nouveau era in Paris, like from 1890 to 1910. Mm. And that's on Queen West. And I haven't been yet. But I wanted to talk about a new Laos-inspired bar. If you miss Sabai Sabai, which I do, <laughs> you can now satisfy your, craving with, your cravings with Lao Lao Bar. And it's a new Lao-inspired restaurant located just below Little Sister on Portland. Mm -hmm. And it's a speakeasy, but it also offers delicious bites, including plant-based dishes. And I'm going to mess up this dish. It's called Lap, I think, L-A-A-P, which is apparently Laos' national dish. And they have two on the menu, one with tiger shrimp and another one with duck. And it's seasoned with lemongrass and galangal and macroot lime leaves mm. and, and, and tossed in banana blossoms and coriander and mint it's it's super delicious and you eat it like a lettuce wrap which is also one of my, my go-to usually if i go to a restaurant and it's only 22 dollars, and it's really awesome so i thought this would be a great place for people to just yeah hang out with friends have a few bites a few cocktails fantastic one last place last place toronto is such a coffee city i thought i'd finish with a new coffee spot at Yorkdale Mall, and I don't know how you, how you really, again, yeah. say their brand name, but it's the percentage sign in Arabica. And it's apparently the first Canadian outpost for the popular Kyoto coffee brand. And the shop looks more like an Apple store than a cafe. It's got like big glass wall and futuristic cylinder coffee bar. It's perfect for a quick cup on the go, and you can check it out at Arabica. Coffee. That's actually my neighborhood as well. And I, I walked by that location. I was quite curious as to what it was. So now you filled me in. Thanks so much for coming on the show today. <laughs> Anytime. Love it. That was Brigitte Foisy. We have to take a short break. But when we return, we'll discuss magnesium on the tonic. Big Carrot is a worker-owned natural food market that's been committed to local, organic, non-GMO, and sustainable food systems since 1983. They're a one-stop shop offering produce, grocery, bulk, body care, and holistic dispensary. The juice and smoothie bars and kitchens serve up hundreds of healthy dishes and drinks daily. Building community is at the core of their vision, which they deliver through education, outreach, and giving. They want everyone to share in the goodness they offer. Visit their website for more information at thebigcarrot.ca. Welcome back to The Tonic, your prescription for a healthier and happier life. 
Here's your host and publisher of Tonic Magazine, Jamie Busson. Dr. Barb Warger is a licensed naturopathic doctor practicing in Toronto. Her clinical focus is in women's health, stress management, and inflammatory conditions. Dr. Barb spends a great deal of time educating individuals on the importance of magnesium and why we all need to add this mineral to our health toolbox. You can find her on Instagram at Dr. Barb Warger, that's E-R-E-R, where she shares a wealth of information about magnesium and other topics. Welcome to the show, Barb. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing wonderful. So we're going to talk about something that's right in your wheelhouse, right off the bat. First time on the show magnesium. Okay. And we've covered magnesium before. So I'm hoping that you've got some new interesting twists and things that maybe our listeners haven't heard about before. Okay. Absolutely. Yes. Why is magnesium so important to our health and well-being? Not to repeat what your other guests have talked about, but we know that more and more research is coming out on this mineral and we're beginning to understand the enormous part that it plays in our health. And we've commonly heard that magnesium is responsible for about 300 enzymatic reactions, but recent papers published in the last couple of years have actually started to show that magnesium is involved in six to 700 and possibly even 800 reactions as they're finding more things that this mineral is responsible for every day. So just for example, last month in March of 2023, there was a study that showed that those who consumed more than 550 milligrams of magnesium daily had better cognitive function and a lower risk of delayed onset of dementia in later in life. So we know that more awareness is being brought around this mineral. And yes, it's responsible for DNA and RNA synthesis and energy production and muscle and nerve function and all of those things that have been mentioned. But we're finding more intricate things that this mineral is actually responsible for. But what we're also seeing is that if we don't have enough magnesium, there's going to be deficiencies in a lot of areas of our health. And one thing we have to remember with magnesium is that it's an essential mineral. So it means that you need to bring this mineral in through food or supplementation. Our body cannot make it on its own. What is the recommended daily dose of magnesium for an adult? So right now, the current RDA ranges from 300 to 420 milligrams for adults. Uh, Females a little bit like around the 300 to uh, 400 range, and then for males a little bit higher, up to 420. And when we look at the RDA, we know that it's basically the daily nutrient intake level that's sufficient to meet requirements for individuals to maintain good health and avoid deficiency. So that is what the RDA is in place for. Does it change as we age? The RDA does not, unfortunately. And when we look at the RDA for magnesium specifically, it was actually updated the last time in 1997. And so when they calculate an RDA, the RDA is based on your average body weight. So the average body weight for a female and the average body weight for a male. And when it was updated in 1997, the female weight average at that time was 135 pounds and a male was 165 pounds. Uh Now, (laughs) go forward to today, these averages are about 30 pounds heavier for both male and female. And so there was a paper that was published in 2021 that actually stated that the RDA for magnesium needed to be updated based upon the updated average body weights. 
And when they did the RDA calculation, it actually increased by over 200 milligrams for both male and females. And so they were seeing that the average person was actually getting two to 300 milligrams per day of magnesium, less than what they needed to actually have for sufficient purposes. So the numbers that you gave off the top, do they reflect the average weights now or are they based on the 1997 weights? No, they're based on the 1997 average body weight. Okay. So we actually need more then, right? Right. So just for reference, the average individual gets about 215 milligrams of magnesium per day. Through their diet, you mean? That's through their diet or some multivitamin or something like that. This is where the average is. But if we're looking at You know, just with the RDA needing to be adjusted, the RDA is not sufficient to get the benefits that we are looking for from this mineral. Okay, so if the calculations are essentially driving deficiencies, are there any other factors that are causing magnesium deficiencies for people in general? Yes. Magnesium deficiency often is kind of blamed on poor diet, processed foods, poor soils, and they definitely play a role in depleting magnesium. But there are some other big depleters of magnesium. Some of your past guests have talked about one of them, which is stress. So stress does contribute to magnesium loss. We also know medications. So the average person is on 2.4 medications by age 60. And medication use overall is getting much more common. And these seriously deplete magnesium. We know that insulin resistance depletes magnesium. And we know that most people are not metabolically healthy and, you know, or they have type 2 diabetes or some form of insulin resistance. And so they are not absorbing magnesium. We also know sugar depletes magnesium. In a biochemical reaction, it takes about 54 molecules of magnesium to process one molecule of sugar. So if you love sugar, you're not going to have a lot of magnesium left over. We know that excess calcium from foods, supplements, dairy products deplete magnesium. We also know that high-dose vitamin D will deplete your magnesium stores. So magnesium and vitamin D, they share the same enzymes, and so high amounts over a period of time can propel you into a magnesium deficiency. And then we obviously know poor absorption, so people with GI issues, so anything like leaky gut, IBS, colitis, Crohn's, low stomach acid, food sensitivities, these people are all not absorbing magnesium. And finally, fluoride. So we know fluoride, you know, in our dental stuff, toothpaste, and it actually binds to magnesium and makes it unavailable for the body. So a moment ago, you you talked about vitamin D and that sort of tweaked my interest because I take supplements. I take a supplement that is vitamin D and magnesium combined. What's the interrelationship between vitamin D and, and magnesium? Great question. And it's such an important thing that we need to really discuss because magnesium is a cofactor for vitamin D and it's needed for vitamin D to actually perform its function. So they work together to kind of enhance each other's benefit and absorption. Now, we know vitamin D is really important and probably the most vital thing that vitamin D does is the absorption of calcium and phosphorus in bone health and it supports our immune system. But many of us aren't getting the full benefits of vitamin D because we have low levels of magnesium. And it's probably the reason why many people who are vitamin D deficient also show up as being magnesium deficient. Now, the bioavailability of vitamin D depends on magnesium because the enzymes in the liver and kidneys 
that make it possible for vitamin D to be metabolized can't work if there's not sufficient amount of magnesium to draw upon. Hmm. So just to quickly summarize, if your body needs magnesium to activate and transport vitamin D, and many people often say, well, I take activated vitamin D3, and that's active, yes but it cannot be active in the body until those enzymes have enough magnesium to actually convert that vitamin D into an active form to be used in the body. So you don't have you could have enough vitamin D in the system, but you might still be getting vitamin D deficiency symptoms because you don't have enough magnesium. Okay, so off the top, that's why I asked you whether or not people should be taking more magnesium as they age because you can't metabolize vitamin D as you get older. So therefore, one would think that, you know, you would you might want to take more magnesium as you get older to assist with the absorption of, of vitamin D. Am I off base or am I right about that? No, you're right. But you also have to think of all the other things that I mentioned that deplete magnesium, right? So a lot of those things are happening with age. So the older we get, the more medications we get on, the less sure. vitamin D we're going to absorb, right? So the the more insulin resistant we become. So there's a lot of things that definitely happen as we age. And yes, they're all contributing factors. I'm one of those people that I don't like taking anything, including supplements, until it's demonstrated to me that I can't get the nutrients out of my diet, right? So like magnesium and vitamin D are actually one of the few supplements that I take. But is it possible to get sufficient magnesium without taking supplements, do you think? It depends, because if we say that the RDA needs to be 200 milligrams more than where it is right now, it can be very difficult to get the amount of magnesium from foods because of our soils being so depleted, people not eating enough of the leafy greens and and pumpkin seeds and all the high-rich magnesium-rich foods. And then you also have to take into account you're eating that, but then you can't have anything else that's depleting it at the same time. So you could be getting lots of, you know, the magnesium-rich foods, but if you are under stress and highly stressed, then it's kind of being depleted at the same time. So it can be very difficult to get enough magnesium to actually do and get the benefits that we need from it. And if you don't absorb your food well, which is a problem for a lot of people, this is another problem. Okay, we have time for one last question quickly. What are some of the health issues that people might have that you wouldn't necessarily associate with magnesium deficiency? Well, insulin resistance is one of them. So we don't often think of magnesium for insulin resistance, but magnesium is actually required for the production and secretion of insulin from the pancreas. And so adequate levels of magnesium is going to ensure that the body produces enough insulin to regulate blood sugar levels. And it also helps to improve insulin sensitivity, which means that the body cells are better able to respond to the insulin and take that glucose up from the bloodstream. And the other condition is osteoporosis. So we often think of vitamin D and calcium in osteoporosis, but as we just learned earlier, we need that magnesium in there to actually activate vitamin D. But we also know that magnesium helps increase bone density by stimulating the activity of osteoblasts which are responsible for building new bone tissue. But then magnesium also helps to reduce bone loss by inhibiting the activity of the osteoclasts, which are the cells that are responsible for breaking down the bone tissue. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Thanks to all my wonderful guests, Chris Jarvis, Deborah Samuel, Dr. Chris O'Connor, Bridget Foisy, and Dr. Barb Warger, ND. And thank you all for listening to The Tonic. 
You can listen or download this episode as a podcast with full show notes, contact information for our guests, and links at thetonic.ca. To find out more about the show, you can always follow us at It's The Tonic on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. For great articles by amazing health and wellness writers, be sure to pick up your copy of The Tonic magazine. The March-April issue is probably still available free on racks at over 100 locations across the GTA and delivered with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in Toronto West of Victoria Park. Or you can visit our website, thetonic.ca. If you're interested in providing feedback or suggesting topics for the show, you can always email me at jamie at thetonic.ca. On our next show, we'll discuss the health and wellness issues that are important to you. Until then, this is Jamie Busson wishing you a healthy and happy week. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.